This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning. This is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute of Healthcare Consumers, along with my co-host and managing director, Brent Macy, and welcome to this week's edition of Healthcare Consumers Radio. Brent, good morning. Good morning, Doug. How are you? I'm pretty good after a late night coming back from Chicago yesterday. <laughs> yep, yep. We uh, you know, thought we were catching an early flight out of there, and uh, next thing we know, we're getting off the plane and getting on another plane. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite interesting, uh, but a great trip up there to, to Chicago to see some, uh, some great companies want to thank everybody that we met with up there um you know doing some really innovative stuff in the uh you know chicago land up there with some companies uh taking their message out nationwide from uh some of the uh exchange players up there to the um total population health management companies and uh really interesting to get out in the market and see what everyone's doing and uh yeah we want to thank the teams that go health and maestro healthcare technology b swift interactive health connect health spotlight just name a few that we met with really i really do sincerely appreciate the time and the discussion and the the learning about the innovation that uh, that they're involved with some good some good stuff. Yeah, very good stuff, and got a got a great program uh, here today. I, I think um, you know I think we're going to learn a lot about some of some other segments in the marketplace that include some of the exchange uh, the exchange elements out there, but also um, some other things we're going to learn from guests that we've had on the program before. The first guest uh, is, is been on the program before. That's Jim Skinner. He's the president of JMS Benefits. And a good friend Solutions. of ours. And a good friend of ours. <laughs> a uh, health insurance consulting brokerage firm. And um, what he's really going to talk about is Stories with a Purpose. And that's an iTunes podcast of inspiring and harrowing stories with people who've gone through life-threatening medical challenges and really worked their way through the healthcare system. So very interesting um, approach that Jim is going to have for the first segment with us um, coming up. And, and you know, I, Jim is one of those innovative brokers that, you know, I think you'll enjoy the segment with Jim. I mean, he's he's out there changing it up, changing the way advisors and brokers should be working with their clients. That's right. That's right. And the second uh, guest is going to be Scott Olser. He's he's the VP of Benefit uh, Business Development with Get Insured, one of the nation's leading uh, health insurance exchanges. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, big, big topic Um health insurance exchanges and and going to learn a lot of good stuff there yeah, as well really focusing on the value of the individual exchange in, as it relates to employer sponsored health care and then closing out the segment is going to be uh, closing out the show today is going to be a new uh, affiliate member of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism and that's Amata Health and we're going to have the CEO of Amata Health on and that's Sean Duffy and they they really look at the pre-diabetes within, you know, how do you um, identify pre-diabetic people inside of your employee population? And they go further than that as well, but that's that's kind of the starting place and, and help employers and others, um, you know, look for pre-diabetic people inside their population. Big, big, big way to bend the cost curve. Very important issue uh, and very innovative use of digital medicine and uh, digital therapeutics. So it'll be a very interesting session with Sean. And I know, uh, you know, Doug. I know. Last week on the on the program, we made a big announcement to the market. Um, you know, around private healthcare exchange forum. It's going to be in Dallas, uh, March thirty first through April first. And um, you know, while we were up in Chicago, you know, had a lot of good conversations around that, getting some really good feedback. Um, got a lot of people really interested in in the content and what we're building there. Yeah, and as we talk about uh, talk to the market about what we're doing, private exchange forum it, uh, is that. You know, we have two unique events uh, 
you know, our event that will be in June, IHC Forum, that will move into its fifth annual year and fifth annual year for IHC Forum in uh, Las Vegas. And exchange content and defined contribution content, very, very prevalent during mm-hmm. those events. But we just felt, uh, for really two distinctive reasons, that the reason we're doing Private Exchange Forum is to really dedicate two complete days to solely the discussion about defined contribution and private exchanges. All the different parts, understanding the models, understanding how to build out the complete benefit experience, the importance of consumer decision support and engagement, you know, looking at how public and private and cases work together with the shoveling different employees, the, Met, the Medicare option, et cetera. And also uniquely to put an event in Dallas. You know, while all three of our events will be national focus and pull from a national event, you know, the market has wanted us to put an event in Dallas. So now we're going to be in really three strategic markets, three different different strategic times of the year. March 31st is a very, very important time for companies to really finalize their 2016 strategies or get started mm-hmm. if you're a mid-sized company on what those strategies are going to be, you know, for 2016. And, uh, you know, Doug, yesterday you and I were reading some stories on the plane around around private healthcare exchanges and, and really around what employers are looking to do around healthcare benefits more specifically actually it did brought the private exchange part into play but employers aren't looking to get out of providing employer sponsored benefits they know they got to change it up but they're right. not bailing on this right. Very small percent of numbers. You look at any amount of research that comes out from any any of the quality organizations that do research is that you see a very small percent of employers saying they're going to get out of this business. Uh, the two th- you know the two things they talk about is the wanting to maintain the connectivity and wanting to maintain the connectivity around health too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that'll right. that'll improve. Productivity, and I think if you're if a company is looking to put in an exchange, they're looking to make sure they have a solid health management program because that that builds a sustainable model that will truly bend the cost curve. Right, and and I think you look at you know we had some other conversations that when you look at the exchange market, you know there there was that thought that brokers were going to be out of the game when it came to exchanges. That's not the case, nope. so that's changed. Um, and I think one of the things that you know that I always look at, and when I'm reading articles like this, is is there is a lot of uh, you know it, not everybody knows what's going to happen. Right. There's a lot of you know jockeying around and what's what's going to work, what's not going to work, what's coming on the horizon. And one of the things that that we really talk about is is employers are actually moving to these full replacement programs and and do want to talk a little bit about a big deal that that went down in the HSA space uh, earlier last week. But they're moving to these full replacement programs with the possibility of taking people into exchange programs. And so that's, you know, that's where the growth is in the market, and that's pure consumerism. But getting to a big announcement, everybody, and and a lot of people might have seen it, uh, you had HSA Bank go out and acquire uh, J.P. Morgan's book of business with HSAs. Over over 700,000 accounts, uh, which makes them... if not the leader, one of the top two leaders as far as being an HSA custodian in the space. So congratulations to the, the team there at HSA Bank. Um, you know, great, great group of guys there. Um, great job. And, and that just really validates where the, the HSA space is going. And, and that's a big part of, you know, healthcare consumerism as as a catalyst to really empowering people to become better consumers of health and healthcare. You know, it, um 
kind of finish up this segment like talking about IAC Forum West. Uh, you know, we really uh, added some really innovative uh, leader leadership to our speaking agenda, and we're building a really solid and quality group of employers, producers, brokers, TPAs, and health plans, which is really a new market that's embracing us. Always has been a focus to get health plans involved with us that are, are coming as attendants, not as exhibitors, but to attend to better understand how they develop you know, a better consumerism strategies. And, you know, that November 10th time frame, 10th through 12th time frame uh, that we targeted was purposely put there to allow us to give the market and the experts speaking with us, including employers and, and others, a perspective on what's happening this fall uh, during this critical fall open enrollment period, whether it's exchanges, whether it's full replacement programs, where is transparency emerging, you know, throughout these solution sets, where's digital health and wearables, you know, what positions they play. And, uh, and give a good uh, first look at strategy considerations for 2016 planned year. So if you haven't taken a look at attending uh, our event, you should. Early bird uh, rates in, what, next Friday? Friday uh, if, if that's October 3rd, yes, yeah, next yeah, Friday. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, October 3rd. So it's a great event, and uh, that is at the, the Red Rock in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Great location. It's, it's off the strip, but it's it's got all the amenities that you'd ever want. And if uh, you do want to go have some fun, they got to shuttle down to the to the main drag there for everybody if they are interested in going down there after the conference or prior to showing up at the conference. But Doug, I kind of got a you know question for you. We had a lot of meetings and and some some conversations that you know great conversations. The total population health management space and exchanges, and you kind of alluded to it, is a big connection piece, right? Big big connection piece. You know it. You know when you put an exchange in place and define contribution, it uh, you know an exchange in place, you know. That controls some of your costs around, you know, what you're providing your employees as far as cost, you know, for the benefits they acquire and and the solutions they acquire. But it's not necessarily going to bend the the, the healthcare cost curve by itself because you, unless you help your employees, you know, and motivate them and some may, may maybe even discipline them to take better care of their health mm-hmm. and be responsible for their health. You know, you're going to run into problems. It's like Amada Health is going to address prediabetes. It's a very, very important consideration. So if you don't have those programs in place working with an exchange, mm-hmm. you're not going to really get your costs under control. You're not going to address key productivity issues. So that's why yeah, that piece is very, very important, married. And very important, married with a high deductible, you know, with full replacement high deductible mm-hmm. plan. Now, my question to you now is, so let's walk it back a couple steps. We've we've seen studies out there, and we have these in a couple presentations that, you know, the traditional CDHP programs are really the only ones growing as far as adoption rates inside of, of an employer population. And the PPOs and HMOs are fading. Do you see them completely getting out of the market of PPOs and probably HMOs? Not. Probably no. not. Probably not because, you know, they're, you know, everyone's not going to go to an exchange. Everyone's not going to go to full replacement programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, if you're, bit, you know, if you're in an exchange environment and true exchange environment and you're building, you know, plans of choice, if consumers want to choose that traditional PPO, that's their decision. Right. It's going to be their money and their decision. So, no, I don't see them growing, but I also don't see them fading from the scene. Either. And really, and when it's there, that is, I mean, if we look at it, that's choice. If, if, right. if right. those are all there, there are, there is a reason to eliminate more 
choice at times if you want to push someone in a certain direction, whether it's to the CDHP program. But if you truly want to look at, if you truly want to look at choice across all of them, you would have all all those options there. Um, just would be curious to see how many employers still have all those options available. That's right. I mean, if you've got a defined contribution connected to a multi-carrier exchange environment, then why not have a PPO and HMO option there for your for your employees to choose if that's what they want to choose? Yep, very interesting. Well, everybody got a got a really great program again. Got uh, Jim Skinner. He's gonna he's gonna kick it off for us. Uh, titled "Stories with a Purpose: The Rise of uh, the Expert Patient," and really gonna talk you know about what Jim's doing. And then uh, following Jim, Scott Osler, the VP of Business Development for Get Insured, gonna talk about their exchange piece, and then. Following him, Sean Duffy, the CEO of Amata Health, and Amata Health actually is a um, affiliate member of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And if you're a solution provider out there, um, would love to have you join as an affiliate member of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. What it really does is it connects uh, your brand and and our brand and shows that connectivity with your company's solutions and and you know the the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. And then we really take your solutions out to our marketplace showcase them to our employers brokers consultants health plans and tpas out there and you know as we close this segment too brad one of the other pieces of news that came out this week and you can give our marketplace to code if they want to check it out is that we just finished another update on privatehealthcareexchange.com you know our guide to private exchanges that now exceeds 170 plus and what is the radio the radio program ihc radio all caps make sure all caps otherwise it'll give you a prompt and you'll be scratching at all caps ihc radio and if you uh, go in there you can get discounts on the different uh different ways you can subscribe there's a monthly subscription uh, that allows you to see for a month and then there's a yearly subscription the reason to go to the yearly subscription is um these updates there's updates i think we started with 60 we're at 170 so and it's really worth taking a look i mean i think you'd surprise a lot of people if you got in there and really looked at the depth of the exchanges and the various models and the geographic regions covered all righty well everybody stay tuned for the next uh segment of healthcare consumerism radio certification do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014 Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Solution Providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? 
you're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to uh, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And we have joining us on the program today a good friend of the Institute, regular uh, speaker and blogger with us, uh, Jim Skinner with JMS Benefit Solutions and, and Smart Patient Academy. Hey, Jim, good morning to you. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Brent. Thanks for having me. Hey, good to have you. How's things in Texas this morning? Well, it's cool, and we actually got some rain, so that is a minor miracle in the state of Texas. All right. <laughs> hey, Jim, you continue to be one of the innovators out there, one of the brokers and advisors really changing the game and you know changing up how you provide services to your clients, how you provide information to the market. Uh, give our, you know... I want to talk about your stories with a purpose because I really like what you're doing. But give our audience a little background on JMS and Smart Patient Academy first, if you would, please. Yeah. Um, Well, I've been in the business, uh, the insurance business, for 20 years. And for 10 of those years, um, you know, we've been in the health insurance business as a broker. And one of the key pieces of the of the puzzle we learned was that you can have a Cadillac level of benefit that is perceived to be um, a Yugo or a Ford Pinto on the basis of how it's communicated. So, you know, our part of our job as brokers is to create an ROI on the money spent on benefits. And you only get an ROI if the perception of the benefit matches the reality. In other words, you really have to focus on how you communicate it. So we created another communications firm that is enrollment communications firm called Smart Patient Academy. Mm -hmm. And part of this was really driven by the movement towards consumerism because we felt that we're placing a responsibility on consumers uh, without really giving them the education behind how to become a great consumer. And in those early days, as you know, there really weren't the tools out there to be great consumers. So there's an element of deprogramming going on at the level of the consumer, meaning the employee in a large corporation, tends to still look at the world of healthcare in a very passive sense. In other words, it's the doctor's job to fix me um, and I'm kind of go in there and just uh, my responsibility is really just to, to be compliant. And if we're talking about wellness and we're talking about consumerism, you actually need to start changing the behavior mm-hmm. of the employees. And you don't get to behavior change without looking at what motivates those people, you know. So... Uh, kind of fast forward to current or the last few years um, when at your conferences which by the way are outstanding um, 
there was a about a year ago there was a uh, one of your invited guests and I think you gave him an award he basically was a CEO of a corporation maybe you guys can as I describe him uh, tell me the name of it a large manufacturing organization and he basically said to the group he said stop talking about money all the time mm-hmm. and start talking about impact and he says we measure our success by the impact we have on people's lives. And if you take that to heart, which I did, and you apply that to uh, what we do as brokers or what we do in, what we're attempting to do with consumer-driven healthcare, Mm -hmm. is we're trying to change behavior and we're really talking about the impact in people's lives. And that transcends just the financial insurance part of of the experience. And one of my big frustrations is that when I've probably done about a thousand enrollment meetings. So I'm really, really in touch mm-hmm. with what the customer thinks and feels and and what their experience right. actually is. And that financial part of it is about fifteen percent of what they're actually interested in hearing about. Yeah, that's interesting. Really Go ahead, I'm sorry, Jim. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. They're, they're really interested in hearing about the, um, how do they navigate through that healthcare system? Mm-hmm. How do they navigate clinically? Like, what, what is my role? Can I, you know, people don't even know that you can tell a doctor no. Yeah. Or, you know, so, so we're training people. Long story short, I'm sorry to kind of be a little long-winded. No, that's very good. That's, that's very good, Jim. context of what we're doing. Yeah, so, so... One of the addition, one of the additions to what you're doing is the stories with a purpose, the rise of the expert patient, right? Yeah, exactly. And we picked those words intentionally, the rise of the expert patient. We felt like, um, you know, health reform has radically changed the environment, if you will, this the structural environment in which we as healthcare consumers operate. So we're going into a new healthcare system with no guidance. And when people are diagnosed with some major medical problem, there's no playbook. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to invent the play, their own playbook as they go. And um, so we created this podcast, which is up on iTunes, called Stories with a Purpose. And we're recording these incredible stories of people who've gone through major medical crises and successfully navigated or kind of bumbled their way mm-hmm. through the system. And the whole point, about emotionally, spiritually, clinically, mm-hmm. uh, avoiding structural problems, financially, insurance-wise, the entire scope of the experience we cover. And the purpose of this is to allow people to develop strategies based on the experience of others. So if you're a caregiver, for example, and your mother has just been diagnosed with uh, leukemia, wouldn't it be great if you could tune into somebody's experience who's been through something similar like that? Yeah, because this is this is first-person storytelling, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, so versus listening to, and there's nothing wrong sometimes with a sponsored podcast by somebody by or listening to just a doctor. This is you and me listening to our peers talk to us about their experiences if we happen to be, you know, getting set to go through the same thing. 
Yeah, that's uh, it, great. Exactly. It's you're you're they're reliving a lot of these experiences. So there there's a lot of emotion involved in this, and there's a lot of humor involved in it, and so it's uh, it's more of a reality show. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jim, do you? Do you interview, so you interviewed the patients, do you ever get the perspective from the providers? A lot of what we talk about, too, is that the providers need some education as well in this whole process because their world's changing, too. Yeah, it's a good question. We do interview providers. I've, um, we actually have a series that is a provider series that's, um, that's evolving, and one of the first ones, uh, first few that we've done uh, that springs to mind is a, a hospitalist in um, Hartford um, has developed what he calls an, an awareness training program for inpatient, uh, you know, people that are inpatient in his hospitals. And they're, they're seeing a change in the clinical outcomes based on how people emotionally are dealing with the experience. So I, I have... I have a physician telling me the limits of the traditional clinical approach, and he's saying, "Here's what we're doing on our end to to help uh, move in a new direction." Um, and so we've yeah we've done that, and we I just did an interview on Tuesday actually with an occupational therapist who had ovarian cancer, mm. and so I've, I've we've blended both providers who become patients mm. Mm. as well. And the perspective you get is just amazing. It's, and the other thing I would mention is what's really cool about all of this, guys, is that um, it's not just for people who are, who are ill or taking care of people who are ill, but what's really interesting to a lot of folks is what I would call the wisdom of survivors. Mm. So people who have gone through this huge a pivot point in their life, if you will, and they've reoriented their life based on the experience. And it's very interesting just from a quality of life perspective to listen to folks who have gone through this experience and come out the other side. And our whole point is you don't have to go through that to go to this, to, to reorient your own life. And Jim, we got about two minutes left on the program. You know, when when we're looking at your your platform, you know, what are the, you know some really key takeaways that you'd like like our to leave our audience with here? Well, um, you know, I, I guess that um, there's more to the story than just the financial piece of the puzzle. There's really three pieces to the puzzle. There's the emotional, spiritual piece, the clinical piece and the financial and insurance piece. So so bear in mind that that people are juggling balls and and we as an industry are focused almost exclusively on the financial insurance piece. And I'd like to see us as an industry round that out. And I think that when you and I as industry representatives start connecting emotion and impact to the product then you'll actually see behavior change that we're all pursuing uh, in the wellness field or just in the consumerism field. It all links together with intrinsic motivators. Now, Jim, are you seeing, you know, what? what's the feedback from the employer 
um, you know, when you kind of take this approach with them? Is it are they very receptive to it? Well, the last time, yeah, they are. I had a, an employer give me a seven thousand dollar bonus because <laughs> they saw we're at almost a ninety percent participation rate on consumer driven plans, and they said we've never experienced anything like this before. This is a whole different level of benefits communication and so yeah we're getting great great feedback yeah that's excellent jim uh, you know i'm sorry you're not going to make forum west i know your schedule is uh, pretty tight this november but uh you know if that changes would love to see you out there join us at ic forum west you're all, you're always a great addition to our program and to our event thank you I, I appreciate what you guys are doing it's just it's wonderful stuff and I'm just right, actually, in the middle of enrollment meetings that those particular days. So I'm just going to have to do a rain check and stay in touch with you guys. But thank All right, you so Jim. much for the opportunity. Hey, yeah. you bet, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today, and you have a, a great weekend there in Texas, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right, everybody. Stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Learn, connect, share. Join us every Friday at 11 o'clock. To learn all those confusing issues around health care, Obamacare, Medicare, Medicaid, we'll help you find the answers, help you stay in compliance. Join us Friday at 11 o'clock. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at theihcc.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. We're going to get into a very popular discussion right now around uh, exchanges and specifically around uh, the individual exchange options and the connectivity with employer-sponsored healthcare. And joining us to uh, lead that discussion is Scott Osler, VP of Business Development with Get Insured. Hey, Scott, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us bright and early out, out west there in California. How's California this morning? Well, if I were there, I'm sure it would be fine. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I 
I'm actually in Kansas City right now. Oh, you're right. Okay, great. Yeah. Not a bad place to be either. Well, hey, great to have you here. Uh, uh, give our audience a little backgrounder on uh, Get Insured, and then we'll get into some of the other discussion points. Sure. Yeah, the, the simplest way to think about uh, Get Insured is that we're an online consumer marketplace mm-hmm. representing about you know 200 different insurance companies and about, I don't know, somewhere between seven and 8,000 plans. And it's a place where consumers nationwide come in and buy, you know, shop for and purchase uh, individual health insurance. Mm-hmm. And we're also a technology platform that powers the, the functioning state-based marketplaces uh, that are out there. So we've got about three or four contracts in place now going after a few more. And one of those includes uh, Covered California, which is the largest oh, um, okay. state-based marketplace. I didn't realize you guys did that. That's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then on the, you know, with our... On the private side, we're also a web-based entity. Uh, for those that are sort of unfamiliar with what that means, you know, on our on our getinsured.com marketplace, we've got technology integration with healthcare.gov and an ability to help, you know, consumers or uh, employees uh, of, you know, maybe part-time populations, for instance, enroll into subsidized coverage into these public marketplaces. So you can, uh, sh- the term's been used, shovel. You can shovel uh, uh, individuals to the right place. And if it's an employee population, you can move them to the right place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I'd prefer to use something a little bit more glamorous than shovel. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> I've heard that used yeah. too many times. But <laughs> I, I agree with you, actually. So. But, but yeah, we're based in Silicon Valley. We've got call centers in uh, in Phoenix and one in Atlanta, which I, I believe is where you guys are today. Yeah, we, we are. Exactly, Scott. And uh, Scott, when you look, you know, we've, employers have this health care law that they have to deal with. And, you know, what does it really mean for their business? What do you kind of see, you know, employers doing in the space relative to the mandate? Yeah, so um, it's a good question. I think, you know, last year we didn't fully expect to be immersed in the employer space at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we saw some dis- we saw some disruption there. We saw um, employers thinking about how to enable individual health insurance as, as part of their uh, as part of their benefits mix. Um, so we know that there's a mandate for employers to offer, uh, you know insurance to their full-time equivalent employees or face penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we started seeing the earliest shift, I think, in you know the types of employers that, you know, typically in restaurant, hospitality, retail. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a lot of shift last year with those employers who you know, had, had historically offered um, maybe limited indemnity products or discount plans uh, to part-time employee populations. And you know, the concern I think we saw is that the employees sometimes think that thinks that that's real insurance mm-hmm. that you know maybe it satisfies the individual mandate and employers were concerned that you know if they keep those plans those employees might you know get hit with a tax penalty at the, at the end of the year or there might be some liability so we saw a lot of employers thinking about how do we take certain employee populations and move them to the individual market mm-hmm. and the categories that I think were uh, the quickest to move were part-time um, ineligible spouse independence COBRA-eligible employee mm-hmm. populations. And then for us, on the on the retiree side, those that are kind of pre-Medicare or pre-age 65. Mm-hmm. Now, you can actually work in conjunction with uh, uh, a group exchange model working with a large employer group, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we're, you know, our solution is um, it's integrated into some private exchange technology platforms that exist out there. Mm-hmm. So... We've got a relationship with B Swift. We've got one with Benefit Focus. 
Um, and then we also have a you know an active partnership strategy with uh, with brokers that exist out there that include you know Mercer, Buck Consultants, Lockton, and others. So we we sort of view ourselves as a platform that can plug in to service those employee population segments that might not otherwise be serviced by uh, historically by those kind of larger brokers who are, have more of an emphasis on maybe Medicare retirees, the active population, and you know, the consulting side. Yeah. Scott, we uh, talk a lot about this fall's uh, open enrollment period being a real uh, critically important one that uh, some of the outcomes that potentially can come out of this will, will drastically accelerate the adoption of, you know, defined contribution and exchange models. What do you guys see? Uh, you know, I think time will tell. I think um, what we've seen on the employer side is a lot of curiosity and a lot mm-hmm. of interest. We're seeing some that are, you know, kind of those early adopters that are starting to move. Um, but you know, I think I think it's early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're seeing is the the majority of the opportunities we see on the employer side are integrating or enabling get insured as a as a solution for those employee populations on a standalone basis. Mm-hmm. And maybe thinking about, you know, if they want to move to a private exchange in the future, can it be better integrated at some point, you know, down down the stream? Um, you know, so I think it's moving in that direction. We're not seeing movement in masses, you know, over the past, well, last year or this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, you know, agree with, you know, that, that it's going to be moving in that direction. I think the market. I think the market could be surprised. I mean, you know, there's going to be bumps in this road. Let's face it. I mean, it's a long road that we're getting on. I think it's going to move quicker probably than the people anticipate. If the outcomes are, you know, coming out of some unique workforces. I mean, everyone kind of understands, as you pointed out, kind of restaurants and retail and and re, uh, real estate and some of these organizations. You know, u- utilizing uh, exchanges, both group and individual. But I think we see some traditional workforces, uh, you know, pure white-collar manufacturing start coming out. I think it it may accelerate this movement. Do you kind of see some of the same? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those that move, you know, quickly in the first couple years, everyone else is watching. So it's going to yep. be kind of this domino effect, right? So, um, and I think people will look at the, you know, employers, even that aren't in those categories that we just talked about, mm-hmm. are going to be looking at, you know, whatever is analogous with, with their employee populations. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the emphasis doesn't always have to be on part-time, blue-collar, those types of things. Right. We're seeing a lot of activity even with uh, large employers that don't really have large part-time employee workforces, and they're trying to find ways to, you know, replace COBRA mm-hmm. with something that, you know, reduces costs for the employer and something that's far more affordable for uh, for employees and something that's really easy to implement, right? So it's really just about communicating a, a different solution and making you know access to uh, private insurance or individual plans available to the employee yeah. as an alternative to what they would um, yeah. you know historically evaluate as a as a cobra. Scott, any any um, specific you know uh, employee size group that you guys are working with, or does it vary? Yeah. Does it vary quite a bit? No, I mean, it, it ranges, right? So we have, you know, some employers that are, you know, under 100 that are thinking about just completely abandoning benefits and employer-sponsored insurance, mm-hmm. and they use our platform to uh, to enroll those. And then we've got, you know, employee populations that are part-time that have, you know, 100,000 or more. And then I think in the, 
And then there's this layer that's cobra, right? And we've got right. those t- types of populations that have, you know, churn every month that are, you know, in the 200 to 400 terminate employee range that are always kind of this year-round qualifying life event um, audience that can enroll into coverage on public exchanges at any time. I think what we're seeing there is, you know, the average COBRA premium, even if you're like 28 or 29 and healthy, is about 500 bucks a month if you're trying to, you know, purchase something on COBRA. Mm -hmm. And on average, on the public exchanges, that those same, you know, similar types of plans are going to be around $82 a month on average. So the value proposition to an employee, and really the theme with all of this, whether it's, you know, an employer that's trying to replace COBRA or trying to do something different with their part-time employee populations, it's really hard for an employer to curate something better than what exists now under the Affordable Care Act in in the private market or with individual plans. Um, it's it's going to be more affordable and for qualified health plans, and it's really about plugging in a, in a service that connects employees to those options versus trying to do something uh you know, the employer is sponsoring and, you know, adding cost and mm-hmm. overhead and burden. Scott, when you look at um, communication and education, is that a big part, is that a big focus for you guys as well? It's huge. Yeah, I mean, I think in general still this year there's a lack of awareness around the basics of the Affordable Care Act. Right. Know, we talk to, you know, part-time employees, we talk to any employees, they are still unaware that, um, there's an open enrollment period, for instance. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not aware that there's a penalty or that there's a mandate to buy. Mm-hmm. The availability of tax credits and cost-sharing reductions and all these things that make it financially more affordable, um, they're not aware of those. So, yeah, the communication, you know, a lot of oftentimes it starts through the employer. We have a communications program and, you know, assets that we enable and provide to employers where they can kind of plug it into their existing communication channels. Mm-hmm. But really, it's entirely about you know awareness, education, and then um, you know providing them a, an online place where they can go and shop, or you know providing the eight hundred number so that they can get you know, support from a licensed broker and a call center that can provide the same education and help them through the shopping and enrollment process. And really helping them to choose the right plan that that really fits their family structure, kind of getting it really defined to to that individual. Um, well, would purely just be the individual, or would it be helping them, you know, cover their families as well? It's for both. I mean, you know, I think what you what you tend to find is um, it's very personal. It's you know, an employee an employee that's calling in often has a spouse and dependents that they need to enroll. This is something that's I think that's something that you know, we work with employers to understand. It's no longer you know, it, the reality is that it can you know, the employee can refer neighbors and you know family and friends to the same eight hundred number. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, for the employee, let's understand, and, and, and our platform and our approach to customer service is one that we really want to understand, uh, you know, if you're eligible for tax credits or Medicare or uh, Medicaid, you know, up front to help you understand your eligibility. And then from there, it's, you know, determining how you're going to use the plan, how many office visits, prescriptions, do you have a doctor that's important to you? And then feeding that into an experience that will help you determine which plan is going to be right for you, and not necessarily the cheapest plan, but the one that's going to protect your out-of-pocket spending best throughout the entire year. Um, and I think also, you know, there's a lot of skepticism that we that we have to overcome based on the, the rollout of the exchanges last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of what we have to do is, you know, provide that education and just and and using licensed brokers uh, in contrast to what you typically find at 
these state marketplaces or the federal marketplace where you know, they don't have licensed brokers in the, in the contact centers. They're kind of point-and-click help versus getting into the nitty-gritty about how the plan is going to work for the employee. Well, Scott, we really, we really appreciate you joining us on the program today. Um, let, us, let our audience know how they can find you. Sure, you can go to, uh, to getinsured.com and find all the information you need there. All right, Scott. Hey, really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Um, and uh, if you can join us out at IHC Forum West, we'd love to have you come. That's November 10th through 12th. And, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. All right, great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, everybody stay tuned for the next segment of Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. We have joining us today uh, one of our newest affiliate members, uh, Sean Duffy with Amada Health. Sean, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, nice to have you here. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your morning to, sure. uh, to join us. Uh, give our audience a little background on uh, Amada Health, please. Yeah, for sure. So Amada Health uh, is a company headquartered in Silicon Valley, and you know our mission is to take. Uh, you know, the Valley's best design and engineering talent and focus them toward building really kind of rich, exciting, and engaging um, behavioral medicine programs, you know, for people with a whole host of, um, you know, conditions. And our first helps people with pre-diabetes, so for folks who are at high risk for going on to get type 2 diabetes, but they're not quite there yet, it helps um, bring them through a lifestyle program um, that's based on this CDC initiative that shows that you can make a big impact on uh, someone's health. It's delivered entirely digitally. Yeah, tell us that. Um, if I'm an employer, what is really the importance of uh, this type of program in helping me not only, you know, in my pro- productivity around my workforce, but yep. helping me bend the healthcare cost curve? 
For sure. So, uh, you know, as you know, um, diabetes is something that employers, you know, do and should care about for a whole mm-hmm. host of reasons. Uh, you know, the first is cost. The second is productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, folks with type 2 diabetes, because it's a relatively intense uh, care regimen when you have diabetes, um, tend to miss more work, um, you know, in addition, you know, to being, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at a higher cost for that employer. Um, what's fascinating about this entire landscape is that, yes, it's very important to work uh, you know, with your employees that have diabetes and engage kind of best-in-class, you know, providers to help them. But type 2 is entirely preventable if you focus on the right people in the right way. And, it, you know, if you if you look at any given kind of population for an employer, about one one in three of them are likely to have prediabetes. So that's a significant sub-segment of your employee base. And those individuals are really barreling toward type 2 at a rate of about 5 to 10% conversion a year. And if you intervene, the evidence shows you can dramatically reduce that. So it's, you know, it's a great canary in the coal mine. It's a great way to focus, uh, you know, uh, efforts around disease prevention in a targeted fashion to really de- deliver, uh, you know, real meaningful results. And, 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 you know, that's kind of the message that we're shouting as, the right. C- as is the CDC. And, uh, Sean, one of the, one of the challenges with, with pre-diabetes uh, is it's very difficult to uh, be aware. I mean, most people are unaware of it, correct? Exactly. That's correct. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, about 90% of people don't know they have prediabetes, but that is changing. Um, you know, and employers can make a big impact there, mm-hmm. um, you know, either via biometric screening efforts. There are, there are risk surveys uh, that, be, that, that can be used to, you know, give a pretty good indication if someone's at risk. So, so those tools can help, and employers can be a vehicle to spread awareness. Sean, when you look at um, when you look at wellness programs, is is you know a general wellness program something that can combat prediabetes, or or does it need to be richer than just a general wellness program? You know, it's interesting. The um, and and timely in that um, you know the U.S. Preventive Services uh, Task Force actually just put out a guidance um, you know that that really studied a lot of DPP uh, you know and DPP based programs for people with prediabetes and other risk factors. And, you know, I think a, a wellness program can absolutely help. That's, you know, that's, that's, that is true. Um, what is typically seen in the research is that in order to really have a meaningful effect on the health, on the health of someone with prediabetes, you have to really go all in with them and bring them through an ultra, you know, high-touch, targeted, structured, um, you know, program to make, make the impact that you need to have. And so, um, you know, what, what we find in the way that we work with employers is really kind of under or alongside a general wellness program, which is important just for the overall pop, overall population health for an employer. But we just take a little bit extra care for those at, you know, particular risk. Now, you, you mentioned something here about the, uh, the National Diabetes Prevention Program. What, what, what is that? Uh, so that's an initiative that's kicked off, uh, you know, by the CDC. It was actually funded in the Affordable Care Act a couple of years ago. And the vision is that uh, there's an extraordinary amount of science that shows you can prevent type 2 diabetes, but that science has not really been brought to the country in the way that it needs to. Um, And there are very specific programs that are shown to help. And so the CDC basically looked at the research, created standards for what the best program should look and feel like, and created really a yardstick that organizations who want to deliver that program can use to measure themselves against it. Um, and so, you know, this, this is kind of an ongoing um, effort. And, you know, they're working to create a world where the second step for anyone who's at risk for type 2 is to go through a program based on their standards. Okay. And so this is the seal of approval that if I'm an employer, I know I'm getting into what could be an accredited type, uh, type program? 
Uh, that, yep, that's right. And, you know, and, and the, the questions to be asking if you're an employer and you're interested in diabetes prevention and, you know, you're talking to folks who want to help you with that are really, you know, what are your outcomes? Uh, you know, what are your outcomes? In, in contrast to what the CDC requires, they have ways that they ask you to report the standards. So that's, you know, that's something that any provider should be able to deliver. And, you know, and do you hold to the standards? So it's a, it's a great way to discern, you know, to discern really a baseline level of quality, you know, if this is an effort that you're looking to roll out. When you look at, um, when you look at kind of criteria um, in, inside of these programs, what do you personally, you know, recommend that employers kind of look at in terms of criteria for evaluating um, their programs? So I think there's a couple, um, you know, if you look at just the, the funnel of how people get in, uh, you know, is it is is the organization good at helping people understand their risk, recruiting them in, uh, you know, are their marketing campaigns thoughtful, orchestrated, um, you know, and engaging? So it's, you know, what percent of people who would be eligible can get in because it's important to, you know, make something that people want to do. And then once they get in, you know, there's really two measures, you know, A, can you get them to the point where they're, uh, you know, finishing the curriculum uh, and actually under, you know, going through the lessons, going through the courses, and then B, and most importantly, are you getting to clinically meaningful, you know, weight loss through that program, um, which typically occurs, you know, around four, four to six percent. So you know, you, you want to evaluate it in those in those two domains, um, and then also just understand, you know, what the experience is going to be like for the person. If this is something that you know, your employees will, you know, be excited by, will we'll kind of, you know, talk about, does it, does it deliver kind of a cultural value as well? And, and, and Sean, this uh, digital therapeutic program around prediabetes, uh, your uh, product is called Prevent, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct, yep. yep. And, and what's the cost, if I'm an employer, what is the, what, what is the, the business model, what's the pricing model? And so that's you know it's um it's a it's it's an awesome question and I you know and that kind of fits into your previous question around the criteria too um in that you know uh, uh, us and other companies that are really pioneering this category of, of digital therapeutics are pricing on performance and not PEPM okay. at all so so when we engage with an employer we don't charge anything there's no PEPM we only charge on milestones for getting people through the program and we actually only make money. When we get per, uh, you know people to uh, clinically significant weight loss of five percent or greater, so you know we have a pay for performance model. We can bill into the medical spend, um, you know, based on ERISA laws, and and you know the program uh, it could cost as little as a, you know a hundred bucks if we're not doing well. Um, more typically, if we're doing a pretty good job, the core programs you know between four and five hundred dollars, which is you know a really intensive program over the course of uh, you know sixteen weeks with coaching, you know, equipment, um, kind of, you know, the full package. But, again, if we don't get results, we don't charge. That's excellent. I, I, how long has this program been out there, Sean? Um, uh, you know, we've really gone through three phases at Amada. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were piloting even three years ago just to, to do research, really, mm-hmm. to see if our program might be successful. Um, um, commercially, you know, about two years. Okay. Um, and, you know, at this point we work with, a, you know, a whole host of, of employers actually and, and plans and providers across mm-hmm. the country. Now, Sean, when you look at, you know, there's a there's a lot of need for human touch out there and a lot of hand-holding. Is, is exactly. that something that, that you do with your with your program platform? Uh, that, yes, there, there is. Uh, you're spot on. There is a need for that. It's um, when we were founding the company, you know, we started by just reading um, um, really the methods kind of papers behind how the most successful programs like this were done in a face-to-face setting. And what you quickly find is that you can't take the human touch out of it. Um, in fact, social relationships, you know, and, and accountability between people 
um, are the things that are actually most important in these programs, and you can use technology to scale them. So, you know, we take people with prediabetes, we match them up into these small groups where you're with other people like you, we pair them with a health coach, and we kick them mm-hmm. off on this timeline um, where they're going through the curriculum, and all of it is centered around social, which, which is exceptionally important. Otherwise, you actually don't, you know, it's very tough to get results. Now, Sean, when you when you kind of look into your crystal ball, what you know, what's next for Amana Health? Where where's this uh, platform going? And uh, you know, what other are there some other preventable chronic conditions that you're going to be addressing? Uh, absolutely, and, and you know, the way we look at this is is really in two categories. So, you know, we are we are a company that will be mul- you know have multiple multiple programs. Um, you know, so we can make, you know absolutely serve as a one stop shop for uh, you know an employer who wants to bring best in class behavioral programs to their employees. Um, the way we'll the way we'll get there, uh, you know, is likely in first building things that are adjacent to our uh, prevent program. So other, um, you know, lifestyle intervention, weight loss programs targeted toward different risk factors with you know different uh, approaches, but but very similar concept. And then you know on the other side of that, other things where there's behavioral science evidence that shows that you can make a you know a very positive impact in someone's life. Um, and and you know and we'll take that and then bring it to the digital world. So. You know, the categories of things in that are, you know, smoking cessation, um, you know, mental health, um, uh, just, you know, other other uh, things that could benefit from a behavioral science intervention. Sean, Sean, we really appreciate having you on the program. We've got about 30 seconds to go, and I want to give you an opportunity to leave our audience with a thought or two. Uh, sure. So, you know, I would say um, uh, it's, again, I want to reiterate the opportunity that prediabetes affords. It's, you know, it's, it's entirely preventable. Um, you know, a third of anyone's workforce. And, you know, taking an active stance now can do an amazing amount of good, not just for the individuals, but for the, the bottom line. Hey, Sean, really appreciate you joining us uh, on the program today. Let, let our audience know how they can, can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So our company is Omada Health. It's just O-M-A-D-A Health. Um, so you can search on Google for that or just go to omadahealth.com. All right, great. Thank you so much for joining us. And to our audience, Amada Health is a, an affiliate member of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and you'll be able to find their information on our homepage as well. And, uh, Sean, have a great weekend. And uh, to the rest of our audience, uh, we'll talk to you next Friday on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Thanks much. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.